Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for leading us this morning as we sing and worship to God. Well, good morning once again. If I happened to miss you guys earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC. And today we are continuing a series we started last week called Best Ever. And we're filling in this blank here between the two words. And we're talking about how to have the best relationships ever. And how do you do that? Well, we're, we're diving into that. Last week, we talked about how to have the best marriage ever, and it's actually a conversation whether you uh, are single or not, whether you think you're going to be married in the future, or you're like, that's no, no way, or whatever. Like, it's a really important conversation to understand um, what, what God's design and desire for us and the beauty of marriage, and it impacts us greatly. So that's on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's posted up on our website as well. And so today, as we continue, I want to talk about how to have the best Friendship ever. Best friends ever. BFFs, right? So like that's really important. And whether you think this is important or not, it's actually so impactful for you and me in our lives. And, and finding friends sometimes can be really easy, and then other times it's very hard. And it's what's interesting is even if you're married, even if you are married, uh, you need friends. Like, I need friends. I need guys to hang out with. Like, I can have a great marriage, but I can still feel lonely because I don't have friends outside of that marriage. Isn't that fascinating? We think, you know, if, I, if I'm married, I'm good, but, but you, you still need friends. My wife gets tired of me sometime, all right? And so she needs people to like, that are normal that she can hang out with. That's really helpful. So there you go. So we need well, how do you do that? How do you develop good friendships, especially in a city? Maybe you've moved here recently or because of the pandemic, our friend circles have actually shrunk. It's harder to engage with others or you're, you've become more isolated from friends you're connected with. And so there are things we need to know that we're not really, that we don't really, are, are really taught and, and understand that God has given us that can really impact your life in a great way. And so usually you find a good group of friends in college or around that time. Uh, and I actually had a, a little bit of trouble early on. I, I Not really, but uh, my first roommate was like one of the worst roommates you could ever have. Uh, he eventually stole my guitar. That's a little hard for a roommate to do, right? Well, he, he was just, he's total the slacker in school. His, our first semester in college, both of us ever as freshmen. And I found out later, he was, we, we had strange smells in the room, and I was pretty sure he was smoking pot in the room. But some of you might be like, well, that's like the best friend ever, right? So like, no, I don't know. But, um, but that was not great for me. And he, now that I look back on that, he actually did an amazing job of hiding it. It was pretty good on his part. But anyway... Um, but he decided, like, he went home for Thanksgiving break, and he had predetermined that he was done with school. Like, that was it for him. This wasn't the school for him, or maybe school just wasn't for him. I don't know. And so he apparently grabbed my guitar and left. That was it. Never came back to school, and they're like, wow, that's a bad roommate. So then next year, I'm like, okay, I got the bad one out of the way. That's good. Start off with that, and then you can move forward. Well, then my next roommate in the beginning of my sophomore year, um, this dude was super into the 80s, and... He had, I'm not kidding, uh, pictures all along. He hung in our dorm room of like every TV 80s character, like, you know, um, Poncho and the A-Team. Like, I mean, pictures on the wall. And I was like, this is, this is, this is interesting. But that wasn't the bad part. That was actually fine. And we, it was made him interesting. And, but then um, eventually he began to really smell. And it was a sweet situation. Uh, that's actually a really bad description. It was a dorm room suite. It was not a sweet... Anyway, there's two on one side, two on the other, and we all shared a bathroom. And, uh, and so 
uh, we had to begin to make him take showers. I'm not kidding. And the guys just have really, this, this is low standards for guys in dorm rooms, all right? And so with those standards in place, we're like, man, I, I was like, I had to make him wash his clothes. Like, I didn't wash my clothes that much, but like, it was so bad. Eventually, we convinced um, the, the dorm room people, whatever, to let us move one suite down. <laughs> like, I mean, I, it was so outrageous. I was like, man, I can't, I can't get this. So eventually, I found some great friends, connected with others in a great way, developed some deep friendships in college. And we're like, it's like we're going to be friends for life. Like, we've just found this lifelong friendships. Well, guess what? It's been a couple years since college now. And when's the last time that I've communicated with, with those college friends? It's, it's been a while. I'm not super active on social media and... And it's just, it's interesting because life changes. We all move to different cities. We all got jobs. We all, you know, life has gone on in many different directions because of the pursuits we were doing then. And so what do you do when you suddenly get disconnected? Because some of you are, depending on, you know, some of you are like, man, that, that better not happen to me. Like you're sitting there thinking that because you may be still connected to different friendships like that. But as, if you live long enough, they get, they get disconnected. Maybe you get married and you start to have kids and things just become different. And so seasons change, life changes. And so how do you find friendships? That's hard to figure out. That's hard to figure out. And so this is interesting is I believe in friendship. That's why we compromise here maybe than any other area, than any other area in our life. And so the hurt that we have from loneliness, the pain that we have from being by ourselves, whatever that may feel like or look like. You could have a lot of people around you all day, but still feel lonely. The hurt that we experience because of that is significant. So healthy friendships, healthy friendships are what I crave. It's what, it's what we crave. It's what others need. And what's interesting is it also points people to God. It points people to Christ when we engage in great, healthy relationships. And so all of us, right, all, no matter who you are, we can all relate to needing good friends. And I really think the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. The quality of our relationships determine the quality of our lives. I would say more than financial sustainability, more than financial breathing room, or all those different things. You can have those things in your life, but without those, those friendships, you, don't, you feel empty. You don't feel like you've got life. And so I want to introduce this to the scripture. It's found in Psalm 32, and I love this. And I long for you and I to know and to trust that these words are true. Psalm 32, it says this. It says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Now, do we believe that? Do we trust him? I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God wants us to know that we can trust him, that he has our best interest in mind that we can trust him and to pursue him for his goodness and allow him to lead us as our good shepherd. So today, today, I want to walk you through some key principles that will guide you towards the best friendship ever, all right? All right, so we're going to do this. And so to begin, I'm going to start with two overarching principles. 
And then five steps that are important for us to take. So there's two principles that you and I need to understand that we don't always actually think about, and it might actually be counterintuitive. One is that friendships, friendships are created. It is created. It is not found. Right? So it's created. It's not found. In the past, usually others created systems for you. And so you just think, you and I, we just naturally think that if I just show up somewhere, friends will just appear because that's what happened to you before. It happened with schools that you went to and with the, you know, whatever you were growing up or the neighborhood that you were in or the building that you grew up in, whatever, you know, that situation was. Or if for you, it was, you know, you went off to college or, you know, there was some kind of thing in place where systems have been created. And anytime you've had great friendships, great community, someone has put in that work. And so we just think that that's always going to happen. And so then we keep moving on and we we wonder, why is this so fleeting? Why is this becoming harder? It's because friendships are created. So we have to be, we must be intentional. We must be intentional and purposeful for how we engage friendships. And this is not easy because, because of life. And so you and I might get to, guys, we do this, women, we do this, but we get to places where we're so frustrated. We're like, man, I just don't, like, people don't want to hang out. People don't want to, like, where is this friend? Friends we used to have, they moved on. And for me, that's happened a lot. It's just fleeting. In fact, tonight, I'm actually, I'm supposed to be getting dinner with a friend in the city. And we haven't connected in, in years now, but, but this is someone that used to be in Manhattan. We were good friends, and he was actually a, a, a champion of me getting started and in, in beginning to, to do a church plant here in Jersey City. He was one of my good friends that he was like, Wayne, you should do this, and we're behind you all the way. And such a great encourager. But, but God eventually moved him and his family on. In fact, there was a whole group of friends that Aaron and I were a part of. We were tied to a church in, in Manhattan at the time. And almost all of them moved away. And we moved on in Jersey City. And, and life has moved on in circles many times over since then. And those losses are tough. And you all have experienced that too. If you live in the city long enough, that happens. But it's also been an opportunity to be intentional and to create new friendships, new community, and do the work. And every time we've done the work, it's opened up doors to great friendships. And to people that I've gotten to know from moving on from that and, and engaging and starting a church here in Georgia City and continually investing in community here. Every time we've moved, we've had to just kind of sit in our stoop, so to speak, and begin to be intentional about relationships. It's always produced something that's beautiful, but it's not always easy. And so what guides us here at DCC is how Christ pursued relationships and how the scriptures instruct us And we see that that within the scriptures, this constant pursuit of relationships. And so the value of friendship cannot be understated. The value of friendship cannot be understated. And the scriptures champion this over and over again. We'll just bring out a couple examples here. Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Is in real trouble. We need people in our lives. Proverbs 27, 9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That's so beautiful. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is, is as sweet as perfume and incense. I love that. And so the value of friendship is so important. We see this. 
but what's interesting is the scriptures, while it celebrates, you can just see all the way through, it actually spends more time uh, instructing us on how we pursue these people in our lives. And I love this because one of God's great gifts to you and I is that we get to choose friends. But we have that freedom to kind of choose. You didn't get to choose your family, right? You're born into that. And maybe uh, eventually, you know, a parent remarried and you had another family brought in along the way. I don't know. But like you didn't get to choose that and for better or for worse. And maybe there's a little better and a lot of worse. I don't know. Families are weird, right? We don't have much choice there. But your friends, you get to do that. And so scriptures are imploring you and I to be wise because it has such a great impact in your life. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I love that. There's such great instruction for you and I when it comes to pursuing friends. And so when it comes to being intentional, we want to understand these things. Is that there's a great value. We're taught how to pursue this. And then we also see that God is relational. We, we worship God, and we believe that we have the, tri- the triune God, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're so in one with one another that, that they are one. And God shows us that he is in relationship and he shows us how to be in relationship. It means that there's not just some God who's just distant or whatever, but he understands what it means to love well, that he is actually love. And we get that from him. And when Jesus came to us, he was relational. He didn't just hold class and was like, here's how you love. And if that was how we did it, that's what we would do. No, he was in relationship. And he taught them to love by being with them, being intentional. And he shows us how important this is for you and me. And then we have the examples all throughout Scripture of the early church and how they they were in relationships. The church, the word church, actually means a gathering. It doesn't mean a building. Unfortunately, that's what it became in, in some translations a couple, several hundred years ago. But it actually means a gathering. They were around one another. And you see this. The Apostle Paul was someone that we would say lived one of the most significant lives. Whether you believe in God or not, if you look at Paul's life, you can see it's extremely historic. We know that he existed. And, and his early, actually, writings and letters to the church uh, are incredible evidence for who Christ is and that his resurrection was real. It's amazing. It's hard to dispute this stuff. And so Paul lived an incredible life. And he would, we look at him, and he seems such a, like a strong figure that makes us think, oh, like I just need to be like him and do it on my own. But Paul was never alone. He could not do it by himself, and it was constant. And so we see here, like in Acts 12, it says, when, when Barnabas and Saul, which was who he was when, before he changed his name, he says, had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. He was always with other people. He never went anywhere alone. You and I, we can't pursue life alone. You need people to journey with you. You need people to journey with you. And so the scriptures are teaching us how to go about this. And so we, many of us think that I can attain a level of, of greatness or whatever in my life without 
Father says, I don't need help. And if Paul couldn't do it, I don't know who could. And so the scripture's focus when in doing this is not really in persuading us to have friends. It's actually rather calling us to be wise about who our companions are. To be wise about who our companions are. And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time here talking about five major points here for us to do this. How do we find the best friendships? How does this exist? How do we find, how do we have the best friends ever, right? Okay, so let's do this. Let's jump in. You ready? Here we go. Number one, throw yourself into the mission of Christ. Throw yourself into the mission of Christ. And so that may not sound very fun, but it's actually the best thing you can do. There are things that, that are presented in front of you as you begin to pursue him. If you begin to follow him in obedience, in obedience, will, you will find guidance. You will find direction. God will put you with people because that's how he leads us. He's relational. And so if you choose to follow him, you can't just be reading scriptures or pursuing life on your own. As you take steps to follow him, when we say obedience, in faith, in steps, he will lead you to others. And so we, when we pursue God, we have all these detailed questions, and we want God to lay out our journey, like, God, please show me where you're taking me. And, and God, when he leads us, many times he just, just shows us the next turn. He knows that we can't handle all of it. And that's frustrating for us. And we think then that he's not guiding me, and I just got to do it on my own, or I just, we just get impatient. I get impatient, and I, and I just kind of stop in habits and other things and pursuing him. But no, like he's like, and then we eventually get to this place. We're like, God, why aren't you answering? Where are you? I feel like you're so distant. And, and he's just wanting me to be faithful, be obedient, and say, what can you do? What are opportunities in front of you? Take that step. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. And I love that giving thanks to God is such an important part of how we pursue him and live our lives. When we are routinely, daily, taking moments to thank him, we're reminded of his goodness in our lives. And we're learning and being reminded that we can trust him, that he has the best pathway for our lives. Galatians 6, 9 says this. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You will need to be intentional in your life. This is not always easy for us, especially in this neighborhood. Uh, working out of New York City the way we do, we all work very intense jobs. There's lots of demands upon our lives. And it's easy to get sucked into that. And so we're going to have to be purposeful and intentional about how we pursue others, but especially how we pursue Christ. If you throw yourself into opportunities to pursue his mission, you'll see these things begin to happen. Throw yourself into the mission of Christ. The second thing for us is to engage community. How do we find the best friendships ever? We engage community. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I love that. 
Like the introverts, that's your verse right there. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, what's going on there? We're like, and then extrovert people are like, hey, what's going on? I like having lots of friends. Like, that's really good. Like that, like, right? So, but you know, we understand what this is saying. There's such wisdom there. Like, you can have all these friends, and that can lead you to, but there is, there are actual friends who are the real friends, right? That stick closer and brother, people that stick with you through hard times. And it's telling us, hey, we need to be wise about who our close friends are. Choosing friends, just choosing friends, especially without discretion, will lead to your destruction. That absolutely will happen. However, a friend chosen wisely is more loyal than a brother. Friend can be described here as one who loves. One who loves. And so when it comes to engaging community, you're going to have to start somewhere. And that's not always easy. But you want to begin to pursue places and people that you can find good friendships. And consistency is very important. Like we, we get impatient. We want it to happen now. And it's going to take time. It's not going to be always easy for you to do. You need to be willing to be patient and consistent in this pursuit. It's why we have dinner groups here. It's one of the reasons dinner groups are a great place for you to have community. Our dinner groups right now are meeting in person through the week. We gather in, in local places around here. And we just engage in faith conversations. We also have fun hanging out together as well. Because the community is important for us but also our pursuit of God. And so it's a good place for you to start to engage in community. But it does take time, and you need to be someone who, who's purposeful. Don't be just getting things from your dinner group leader. How can you be contributing to be intentional to create great community for other people? We many times are looking for these big moments or these big changes or this person to walk into our life. And what you'll find is through the purposeful, consistent engagement over time is where you'll see this happen. And so engaging in this community is an important habit for you to develop. You might say, well, I'm only going to be here like six to 10 months or one year is kind of like my commitment in this city. You wouldn't believe what kind of friendships you can develop in one year, but then you develop that habit and you move to another city and you'll find one day that you stayed somewhere for longer. And if actually, if you engage here where you're at in your life right now, suddenly you'll be like, I want to sign a second lease. Because you're suddenly engaging a community. But it takes time and consistency. And you want to develop a habit. I had some really good friends. Every year I saw them, they're like, yeah, we're, we're only here for another year. And I'm not joking. They said that to me every single year. And they just kind of stayed isolated because they're like, we're moving. What's the point? And they said that to me 10 years in a row. <laughs> 10 years. And they stayed isolated. We want to change that. So we want to engage Community, all right? Throw yourself in mission to Christ. Engage community. And then number three, we want to value character. Value character. Now, this is huge. This might be the hardest one for you and I. You'd be like, well, that seems weird. I, I want good character. You, would you be surprised what that actually means to value character? Because to value character means that you welcome input into your life. To value character actually means that you need to be humble in your friendships because someone of good character will be a good friend who challenges you. Many of us run from this. 
We run from those who challenge us. You run from those who challenge who you are, and then you stay with fools. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. There's a verse later on. You, go, you guys don't have to, to uh, show this, but I'll bring it back up again. But I, it's just so appropriate here. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Isn't that amazing? What does that have to do with character? Well, friends of character are going to eventually speak into your life. They're going to bring valuable wisdom, and they will say the hard things to us that we need to hear. And that's who you want in your life. You want to have these friendships where you can say those things as well. And that takes time, by the way. You can't just jump right into that. You can't just show up in a data group and be ready to like, just to go. Like that, you just, it's going to be weird and awkward if you tried. Like, Everybody's like, whoa, but over time, you can develop that. You're like, I don't know who that friend is. And, and some, we don't either. And you've got to start. And it may not happen right off the bat. And things that, you know, right? So you have to be consistent in time. But you want to value character. That means that we are humble enough to receive whatever it may be. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We, we mentioned this in a message several weeks ago where the good things just don't rub off naturally, but the bad things do. They just seep right into you and I. So, so when you are looking at friendships, who does this person display, display good character? What kind of decisions are they making? Because if you're around them a lot, that will rub off on you much easier and more powerfully than any kind of character that you have will rub off on when they are a close person in your life. So we want to throw ourselves in the mission of Christ, trust his story in us, and pursue opportunities that we have to pursue him, both individually and with others. We're going to engage community. We're going to find places to join. And then we're going to, we're going to value character. And number four, this is a pretty powerful statement. You ready? You want to be a good friend. To find good friendships, you need to be a good friend. All right, like you, like you can thank me later for that incredibly wise statement. Be a good friend. Actually, it's so true. This is not easy as you would think. They're like, oh yeah, I should probably be a good friend to other people if I want to have good friends. But you'd be surprised how bad we are at that, right? Uh, like being a good friend, being the person that you would love someone to be to you is really important. James 1.19 says this, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's not easy to do sometimes. You're like, wait, what? You went out like to the movies without me? You didn't tell me? I was sitting here all by myself, and your friend comes, and you're like, and you're like yeah. And they're like, I'm sorry. I just forgot. Like, How could you forget? I'm your roommate. Or we were like, <laughs> like slow to anger. Quick to listen. Well, help me understand why you forgot all about me, left me here all alone. Like, that, maybe that's not a good way. All right, so be, being a good friend is key. You're, you can't just expect it from other people. You're going to have to set the standard yourself and begin to be that person of good character. 
You may have heard this before. If you've not, not really attended church very often or, or you're new to pursuing Christ, you've heard this. Matthew 7, 12, says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the, and the prophets. Like, how do you sum up God's instruction for us? Love other people as you would want them to love you. You've heard this before in an older translation, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You've heard that, right? That's what this, this is where this is from. This is Jesus' words. I love this translation, right? Do to others whatever you would like them to do for you. Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, he says, he says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Well, how do you do this? And he tells us, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That's some intentionality. I want to jump into a conversation and be like, man, here's my week, here's this whole day, and like, I, I like to talk, just, I know it's shocking. Uh, it's harder for me to listen. A good friend in my life, an elder pastor in my life, when brought me a, a proverb one time, and he said, it was a proverb of like, uh, even, yeah, here's a proverb. This is what a friend said to me, brought to me. He says, you need to work on this. He says, even a, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> That's a proverb out of scripture. And I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but that was a good friend. He was leading my life and my heart. And so that's part of what it means. We want to listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Don't be selfish. Love others. Be a good friend. And in my last five minutes or so here, I'm going to go through the, the, the fifth thing. And this is an interesting one. Is You need to watch out for common myths. Watch out for common myths when it comes to pursuing friendships. This is, these are things that we just, kind of, we just kind of soak in from just natural living life, culture around us, whatever it may be. But one is this. Watch out for common myths. There's, there's a couple here. One is they, they accept my faults. A good friend just lives with me. They accept everything I hand, right? So this is the verse I mentioned earlier. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. A good friend won't accept your faults. Now, a good friend also understands is patient with you, but they don't just let you just jump off a cliff. No, they're going to warn you. So you need friends that can do that, and if that happens, be wise and say, okay, well, help me, help me walk through that. And that's not easy to do. That takes trust, right? But at some point, you're going to have to risk that kind of conversation. And it's easier for some of us than others, but it's still important. A myth is that they just accept all my faults. No, 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 that's not that. And then the second one is this, is I can only be friends with people of strong character. Now, this is, is unfortunately seeped into 
a lot of our religious church culture, like, oh, I've got, I suddenly became so holy, I can't be without anybody else who isn't, and we just kind of distance ourselves off from the world, but that's actually not what Christ showed us at all. We are not called to separate ourselves, and it's just arrogant and prideful to say that I've become more holy, whatever. We've just forgotten how bad that we were, and you're just covering it up more than other people. I mean, it just doesn't look as bad, maybe, as someone else. But we've been called by Christ to engage the culture around us. If you don't have friends who don't know Christ, I, it's just not following him. It's the example he gave us. Now, that's not very common here in this church family. But it, it's a natural kind of place we can go to many times. But your companions, those who are closest to you, that have the greatest influence. They need to be pointing you to Christ. And I would say the opposite is true here, as we are generally surrounded by friends who, who, who don't know God. And it's such an amazing opportunity to, to be friends of character and be friends that they, they long to have. The culture around us is, is, is hard-pressed to do. Culture just says, serve yourself in every way possible. And we want to love people sacrificially. And so we need companions that are close to us that can point you to Christ. And that's why serving on a team here provides that opportunity or engaging in events with us or being in a dinner group. And so that's important that we need to be in culture and around others. And another myth is this. I love this one. We'll never have problems. If I have a good friend, we don't ever argue. We just know each other. We get along. That's false. Like, it's just not going to happen. And I think this is, is true because, like, on the surface, when you say this out loud, you're like, yeah, like, you're just going to, like, a good friendship, you're going to get in arguments, whatever. But, like, but when we do come to significant disagreements, we think, all right, well, now it's time for this to be over. Like, we're just, you know, like, you know, we'll just move on. Like, no, that's not true. That's part of life. That's, we, if you were with us last week, this was a point in our marriage conversation, the best marriage ever. Actually, the good marriages are the ones that do work through the problems because every good marriage has difficulties. Every relationship, every successful relationship, friendships, romantic, whatever, requires difficulty. And so if you want to be married one day, you might as well practice now. <laughs> Just engage this. And it's not easy, and it doesn't always go as you would like it to go, and it gets awkward. I don't know whatever it is, but we just don't want to be afraid. Listen to Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If you've ever seen anybody sharpening anything, it requires friction. Jesus talked about how he prunes us like a, like a flower, a plant, or a vine. He breaks off branches that don't need to be there, and he prunes us because that allows us to grow. And he has designed you and me. He's made us to be in relationship with one another, and that is part of it. And that means you're going to have to risk it here. This is where the rubber meets the road because they're going to let you down. And you're going to blow it. I'm going to let you down. You could probably talk to any leader here. I've, I've, I can't even know how many times I've done it. Like, I'm broken. I messed up. Like, I, it's, it's just like everybody else. And, and that's the beauty of Christ being the center of our friendships is 
the center of his relationship with us is mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation. Isn't that awesome? Though you're going to have to risk it. Be the person that steps forward and engages in mending the relationship. It will bring you to a closer place. It's actually the very thing that will create a great friendship for you. But this is a hard thing, as I mentioned earlier. This is where we want to run <laughs> and just start over. Many times, it's the part where we hurt each other the most because we're so afraid of this that we, we push back. But we can do hard things because Jesus did hard things for us. He took the cross. He walked through a journey much harder than you and I would ever, ever could imagine. And we can trust his love and engage in relationships. And the final myth is, is that my best, my friend, excuse me, will be my soulmate. Here's the thing. Don't make an idol out of your friendships. Let's be careful that it's, it doesn't become everything for you. Christ, we're called, Christ came so that we can be friends of God. It's an amazing Amazing thing. It's, it's a paradox, really, that there's a great, holy, sovereign God, but because of what Jesus said, he's made a, a way for us to be brought back to God, and, and we are called his friend. And we need to make sure that our friendship doesn't become our identity, because it, they, we will let you down, and it can be devastating. Christ, God needs to be your identity. He is the one true, faithful person, the most beautiful thing that you can pursue. And so we need to be very careful that our identity doesn't become our friendships. And this is what separates us as Christ followers, is that we say Jesus is our ultimate and I follow him. Friendships are going to go bad. I'm out of time, but there's amazing passages where Paul and Barnabas, remember how they took John Mark with them? They had a disagreement. They were wanting to go one place. Barnabas wanted to go one place and he wanted to take John Mark. And Paul was like, no betrayed us like he didn't come with us at one time i'm going to take silas and so paul and barnabas had such a disagreement they went their separate ways and god used that in incredible ways actually it's just it's just part of life even for those who are pursuing christ well we want to learn to be intentional i want to say no sometimes to those who are bad character and walk towards christ but we don't want to remove ourselves from the world we want to engage in other words, you need to water the grass where you're at. The grass is not greener on the other side. Here where you are are incredible opportunities if you'll learn to be intentional. So let's recap real quick. Throw yourself into the mission of Christ. Engage community. Value character. Be a good friend. And watch out for the common myths. I want to challenge you as we end today to make it a habit to engage community wherever you live. What is one step that you need to take this week? We need to understand that friendships and community are created, not found. This is how we follow Christ. Even if you're here for a short time, make this a habit. I want you to step beyond your excuses. You can join a dinner group. It's up on our website. Our dinner group leaders are going to be outside. We have men's groups on Tuesday and Thursday. I'd love for you to engage. We have, we have women's groups um, happening on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'd love to get you connected. Join us at the Sharing Place in November. Uh, serve on a Sunday team. Whatever your step is, let's do this together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much 
for your pursuit of us. Lord, you didn't leave us on, on our own, but you came to us. You sacrificed for us so that we might be found. We might be redeemed and rescued. And you have called us into this incredible opportunity to be in unbelievable relationships. And I pray that we would experience the joy of that. And that we would show the culture around us that unity can happen. That a diverse congregation is gathered here this morning defying what the world says can be done. It's happening all over this city today. God, we thank you for that. We want to trust you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.